We've got another episode free of any coronavirus talk for you today, all recorded before any of this came down. So uh, enjoy the lack of coronavirus. Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Tom Pick of WebEquity. I am going to mess that name up a couple times for sure. That was uh, impressive. Not the Tom Pick, but the WebEquity uh, <laughs> part. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to bobble that here pretty quickly. Uh, we're talking about B2B influencer marketing. Awesome subject. Really looking forward to this. Tom's a digital marketing consultant. He's the owner over there at WebEquity. He also does a lot of speaking and blogging in the areas of B2B brand awareness, search marketing, social content strategy, and yes, of course, influencer marketing. And basically anything that helps your company get noticed, I think Tom is, uh, Tom's involved in. And all of this heavily, heavily, 100% skewed. So when I say influencer marketing and you're thinking shiny butts, no, this is B2B. <laughs> all B2B stuff here. So Tom has been a, I was shocked when I looked, Tom, at your um, LinkedIn profile, how many times B2B is mentioned in your job history. And in fact, I love it when B2B is the very first word on somebody's uh, LinkedIn title. So, uh, Tom, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Um, so, that was a, kind of a brief intro so people get an idea of who you are, what we're talking about today. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, WebEquity and, and about yourself? And maybe with your history starting uh, back 1994-ish, running an e-newsletter? Sounds like a early, early e-newsletter time there. Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, the, the brief story is uh, 13 or 14 years in corporate marketing, um, another dozen years or so on the agency side, and then I, I've been solo with, or not solo, because I have other contractors who help me out, but really running Webiquity since the uh, beginning of 2017, so coming into my fourth year here. With that, um, yeah, so the, the start of the I mean, digital marketing stuff was was pretty early on, as you mentioned. I actually, first website I built was 1995 before um, a lot of people were building websites yet. And it was actually, it was actually, it was an intranet site. So mm -hmm. I was with, uh, with an ERP company and I built a competitive intelligence website for the sales force called Lethal Weapon, uh, which we had a lot of fun with and um, they, they, they loved it. Um, I'm imagining back then, I, did we even have search engines yet? Or was it just kind of, you know, a domain or you blindly stumble around? It was, yeah, it was kind of tricky to even get online at that point. Obviously, broadband wasn't really a thing. Um, inside the company, we had a pretty solid network. Outside, it was a lot of dial-in, so we had to keep the bandwidth low and, you know, all that kind of right. thing. You want an image? I don't know. Is it, what are we going to see for the first couple minutes while well, it's loading from the top yeah, down? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, it was uh, heavily text and little icons and things that would load quickly and not, not big. Yeah. I remember back then trying to figure out, am I on the internet or the World Wide Web? And how do I get out to the World Wide Web? <laughs> <laughs> things were um, not very clear and simple like they are today we uh what one of the cool things that back in in those days we had that we hired away a salesperson from ibm and he came in and looked at lethal weapon and was like we have nothing like that so, so, that always feels no, good yeah cool. <laughs> uh but yeah and then from there i i you know did a number of other 
digital marketing oriented sort of things of the company. Um, in a uh, uh, 99, 2000 timeframe, the company was actually well, merged with another company. Um, and so we had, we ended up with this portfolio at that point. So it's it about right around Y2K. We had eight or nine different websites within the company, different products, different regions. Uh, and of course, they, none of them looked anything like each other. So I actually was assigned to lead this global marketing team to make all of the websites kind of look and act like each other and look like part of the same company. And that was quite an adventure. Um, more like uh, not, not, not quite herding cats, more like herding lobsters. <laughs> Drunk lobsters. Nice. Yeah. So. <laughs> Under, underwater cats with claws. Exactly. Uh, pinchers. So, I want to take a little sidetrack here and point out your background. And by background, I mean everything that's behind you. Um, oh. I feel a little bit shamed. We moved offices recently, and uh, I don't have my kids' artwork on the walls. I see what I hope is child's artwork. If you say that's your own stuff, I'll be embarrassed uh, for bringing it up even. Um, and I Most see, of it's the kids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love when I look in people's background just to see that, yeah, oh, yeah, we got some Vistaprint here. We got uh, your company um, logo up there. You've got growth hacking. Just look around. Oh, there's an Adobe uh, software stuff, a WeWork mug. There's probably a nice story behind that. Um, <laughs> just seeing all the stuff on somebody's uh, bookshelf gives you, as, as much as you could talk about who you are and I could read your bio, people probably just by looking behind you and looking around get a, a good idea of who you are. It's, um, I actually had, I, I did a podcast once and this, this woman refused to do it with this background. I had to, I had to go upstairs to the, the boring background of the piano and the clock on the wall. Um, wow. I, I, I like this just because it, it reflects the way my brain works. You this, did a podcast. A, a <laughs> video. took sorry. offense. I know. Okay. Video. But they took offense on a I mean, podcast, video, whatever it is. It's not like you're on a, a news network or something like that. Uh, no, she thought it was distracting. And I'm like, right. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're a video podcast. You're, anyway, it's a video that's, cast. That's the way my, my yeah, brain works. So. That's awesome. Uh, don't, don't sweat. That's funny. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's, we don't want to get stuck on that too much. We've got a lot to get to here today. <laughs> Sorry for all the, the sidetracking. But uh, I, for one, love, love your background and uh, being able to glean so much uh, about who somebody is instead of just having a blank wall behind you. So moving on, let's get to, um, I guess, what your company does there, what you do at the company so people can get uh, an idea for that. Sure. I work with no surprise, B2B companies, um, generally small to mid-size, uh, mostly complex products like enterprise software, um, some more on the professional services side. But so SMB, B2B, you know, technology primarily, and um, anything digital marketing, so primarily top of the funnel, social media, content marketing, social media execution strategy, um, some PPC, and then what you know, what we're talking about today, influencer marketing, has become really in the last couple of years much more of a focus and um, have gotten some, some great results for some clients with that. So really helping them drive more website traffic and, of course, the top two goals for every B2B company, lead generation and brand awareness, right? So really driving those, those factors for them as well. Yeah, I feel like the brand awareness, there's been a lot of talk on this show about this recently, with the MarTech explosion, 
And uh, there seems to be a crunch coming now in MarTech that's really around brand. And if you haven't developed a brand and a brand people trust, and also some other things, having the right integrations with the right other MarTech. So it isn't all these little one-off functions going on. Uh, but eventually brand becomes the most important thing in a category. Once it gets mature enough, it starts to commoditize. It's, it's a, you, can, you can play on the features when there's unique features all over and everything's a little crazy and mixed up. But once things start to normalize, if you don't have and or develop a brand, good, good luck. It's going to be a hard, a hard uh, road to hoe there. But let's get into the influencer marketing part. There's so much to go over in here. Um, sure. I've already wasted enough of our time with, it, with what's on the bookshelf behind you and whatnot. Um, <laughs> can you give us an overview of, of influencer marketing? Give the listeners an overview for maybe some that don't quite know what that means outside of the consumer, you know, outside of the Kardashians, what's influencer marketing? I would describe it as marketing through the people who already have a, uh, a, a name presence and recognition in your industry. So people who are already recognized as thought leaders, as uh, smart people, people who know what they're talking about. Um, often it's bloggers. It may be um, industry journalists, industry analysts. Um, often they are, they are, they play some sort of role in the industry, but they, they write or speak or podcast right about it more broadly so they they have a name in the uh, in the marketplace and a, a real simple explanation is <clears throat> um th there's this person pat right you don't know but you've never met pat but you meet pat at a uh, some kind of business you know networking event or conference or whatever right you walk up to pat and say hi i'm sky i'm, a, I'm an expert in b2b marketing and pat's like okay sure Maybe, right? The difference with influencer marketing is I know Pat really well. And you and I happen to approach Pat at the same time. And I say, Pat, this is Sky. He's an expert in B2B marketing. Right. Totally different, right? Now, Pat's going to be very open to, to talking to you because he's gotten that introduction. She's gotten an introduction from someone that they trust. That they, right. That they, or and somebody walks what, up and says, uh, hi, I'm Gary Vanderchuk, and this is my friend, Ann Handley, and we are, you know, kind of a big deal. And the person's like, yeah, of course I know who you are. Can I have your <laughs> autograph? Um, <laughs> it's it's but that. Really. Marketing is about getting those kinds of people to the, the people who are already recognized or people who, and they don't necessarily have to be super famous, but just that they have, they know the people that you want to sell to or the people that you want to reach. And so they can, right. can sort of break that ice for you. So you may not even know who they are, but once you kind of once they show you their reach and, and who's, it's almost like saying, I have a, uh, you know, newsletter and here's who it goes out to. Um, they're saying I had, you know, not only do I have a newsletter, but these people respect me for a reason. I guess in the consumer side, it's really just, can you do something to get people to follow you? And now that you have eyeballs following you, it doesn't matter what the product is. There's no relevance or irrelevance. It's this person has 2 million eyeballs. And now <laughs> what consumer product do you have? Is it a candy bar? Is it an energy drink? Is it a, is it candy or a diet product? It doesn't matter. Um, it will sell anything. We just have eyeballs here. They're very specific to the um, kind of the skills of the influencer, I guess you'd say, and, and the people that particularly follow them for, for a reason other than, for a business reason, kind of. Yes, it's it's people that they learn from, people that they trust to know what's happening, what are the trends, 
um, what are the new pro what should I be what should I be aware of what's the latest news um, what things are important how do you separate that right. okay. almost no twerking in b2b influencer marketing very very little yeah. very little yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. quite frank looking at most b2b influencers you really <laughs> been, really we got to work on that come on yeah. behind the game all yeah. consumer stuff eventually trickles down to b2b so it'll get here eventually <laughs> <laughs> that's will be the end of b2b marketing <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> the rear end of B2B marketing. Yes. Okay. So we've got a general idea. Here's what B2B marketing is yet or influencer marketing. It's, it's, you know, these people have a following that they've earned kind of usually a particular niche, not just everybody that has anything to do with exactly. B2B stuff. Um, so if you work in, I don't know, selling some product wholesale to retailers or e-commerce or whatever it is, anything that's, you know, you're selling an e-commerce software, there will be people within your niche that are influencers. Very few B2B influencers that are, I mean, I guess I'd say very few, are there any that are across everything, unless they're just general, like an Ann Handley B2B marketing type influencer. I would expect most of them are very niche. Yeah, so Anne Hanley would be more horizontal, right? She's mm -hmm. B2B marketing whatever kind of company you have, whatever industry you're in, as long as it's B2B and you do marketing, she's applicable. Um, the, the people that I'm typically working with on behalf of clients are more vertically oriented. I mean, sometimes they're, sometimes it's it, by title, CFO, CIO, people like that. Right. But more often it's, it's industry specific. So a couple of examples I've personally worked with uh, retail technology that's got its own sort of ecosystem and its own set of influencers. People uh, that are a big deal in that industry, but other people wouldn't know who they exactly. are. Necessarily. If you're in that industry, you know, them. if you're not, yeah. you probably don't. Yep, yep. Um, HR tech, HR technology is another one. That's another, you know, a separate ecosystem. Um, and there might be a couple of people who actually straddle those because they do like HR tech within retail. But for the most part, it's, you know, that's a separate ecosystem. Um, <clears throat> Event marketing is another one. So you've got uh, people who do event planning, um, people who run venues, you know, the big hotels and things where they have events. A lot of agency people, agencies that are focused on live event production. Um, you've got a lot of different vendors who provide different sorts of products and services within that industry. Maybe it's furniture rental, maybe it's you know the audiovisual, sound and lighting services, whatever. And then you've got the event tech people, but they all sort of that's sort of a, an ecosystem where there's a lot of opportunity for um, uh, partnering because a lot of the other vendors that are serving the same people you are aren't competitors. They're doing something else. They're filling right. They're another part of the of the another piece of the puzzle. And so there's a lot of uh, opportunities to, to partner and, and work together in, in, that, in that space. Are most of the influencers um, kind of C-level titles within companies in those industries? I mean, it, as some examples, Anne Handley seems like she's kind of a, uh, meant in a positive way, obviously, a mercenary type. She is just, she is her own entity and she will work for individual companies or represent them, but she's still in Handley. Uh, and then you have somebody like David Cancel. He's the CEO of Drift, and he has a lot of influence. People know him. He is very much a brand of his company, but he's not going to hop from one company to the next and represent them and help them with their marketing. He's, he's representing his company within the industry. How does that, how does that come down in 
the B2B influencer market? Are there a lot of available influencers, I guess I'd say? Because you're not going to hire David Cancel to run a campaign for you and represent no. you. <laughs> no, but you, you may want his, his input for something you're writing or, uh, you know, right. you give him a shout out. And Collaborate him. with him, something like that. Exactly. So what's the distribution of these influencers like? It is, I mean, are people, are they mostly C-level people or mostly people that are available to actually hire to work with? That's a great question. I, I would say it really varies by the um, the industry vertical. I'm trying to think of what I'm working on right now is is sort of the business intelligence and analytics space. And so there are, you know, again, it's a mix. There are a lot of analysts, a lot of independent analyst type people. So not, there are Gartner analysts, but there are also people who like could be a Gartner analyst, but they've got their own right. little thing going. Um, there are several of those. There are journalists in the space. There's a guy named Dion Hinchcliffe out of the UK who does a lot of writing in the space, and he's got a huge following. He's um, very, very smart. Um, there's a group called TWI, the Data Warehouse Institute, that does you know does quite a bit in the space. So it's really kind of a mix of of different folks. There's also um, there are a couple of, of Big time influencers who work for very large companies, Teradata, right. SAP companies like that, um, who are sort of product evangelists, and so they are out. They're not just writing about their company; they're they're really writing about the space and demonstrating their knowledge of the space as a way, you know, ultimately to you know to, to promote their company. So it's but, like they're a full time recruited consultant, kind of. They're still their own person, but they really represent this one brand. They represent the brand, but they, yeah, they're, they're, they're a hybrid and they definitely, they definitely have a personal brand, but you know that there's a, there's a corporation behind them. They make right. that very clear, very transparent. Um, but they don't, again, they're, they're not just focused on the company. They're, they're really trying to be out there and be, you know, a player in the industry. Right. So it's, it's almost like they're a lobbyist or a think tank for that company. They're, they're independent, but hired by that company to <laughs> represent the views that they want represented. Exactly. And them. So. Yep. Okay. Excellent. Well, um, so I think we've got a good idea of what the B2B influencers are. Let's get into some of the nuts and bolts questions. Um, can you give us, um, let's say a company's thinking, this sounds interesting. How do I do this? If I want to, uh, you know, get some traction with an influencer, um, We've had people on before talking about how to kind of like build a relationship with influencers and whatnot. I think here I'd really like to focus more on you want to do more influencer marketing. You're not trying to go kind of gorilla with it and make best friends and then get them to tweet about you for free. You're really looking, how do I hire one of these people? How do I find one of them? What should I do and not do? That, that kind of stuff. What can I expect? So for your average company, let's just say kind of a mid-size, small to mid-size company, 50 to 200 employee range, um, and they're, they're thinking, hey, we really need to get into the influencer marketing um, game. We really need to build our brand some more. What, what do they need to be doing first? The first step would definitely be some research, right? Because you, need, you, you, can't, you can't approach anyone in your market intelligently until you kind of understand the you know, the landscape, the lay of the land, sort of who are the people, what are their, their roles, um, kind of who's an A, B, and C list influencer, if I can use those terms. And those, that's, those aren't based on, it, there aren't certainly hard and fast numbers to those, right? Because if you're in a, in a, in a, a really niche industry, 6,000 followers might be a huge number. 
right, right in, in that segment. It's very relative, yeah. Whereas in another segment, right, it's 100,000. So getting to really understand the kind of the lay of the land before you, before you do any kind of outreach, before you start, you know, trying to do anything with people, understand what the lay of the, of the land is, um, and then, you know, kind of warm people up. And this may be where, again, I don't want to repeat things that have already been said on the show, but right, start following people, um, the influencers, retweeting them, you know, giving them shout outs on social media okay. for uh, sharing their content. So it's not just like, I mean, you're looking to hire them, but it's not like consumer where you just say, tweet and post about our stuff and we'll pay you this much and then it happens. The B2B, it seems like you're saying they kind of need to want to take you on as a client. They, they need to see that you are somebody, like they have a lot more approval and, and a need for it to fit who they are than your average, again, B2B. Yeah. Okay, what energy drink is it? All right, I'll, so, I'll get the spelling right, and bam, there we go. Thank you, Penny. Yeah, it's it's not all images and, and crazy photos of hanging off cliffs or or, or things like that. It's um, um, I mean another another I I would say element to keep in mind is so when you talk about A list, B list, C list influencers, keep in mind what their goals are because that that can help you inform your outreach. So, A list influencers they already have a brand, right? They're established. They've got a huge following. Their focus is protecting their brand, so they're not going to do anything that would cause them risk. You need to convince them that you're serious. You're in it for the long haul. And you're a really good fit with their ideology, really who they fit. are, that you're kind of stuff. Completely above right. board. I mean, right? Because they they're not going to do anything as risky. That's going to risk their. Uh, it seems uh, almost if it doesn't bring additional value than the pay, they're not going to take it on. If there isn't like, if they don't get something <laughs> else from it, if it doesn't enhance their brand, even it's not really worth it for them. Probably they already have several major, um, you know, one or more major companies that they are representing, kind of. Exactly. And, and I mean, par part of the reason that they've become A-listers, right, is because they're a little bit ahead of the curve. That's how, you, that's how you get that leadership position to begin with. So one effective way of reaching those people, and we'll, we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the, the paid piece specifically, but organically, one of the ways to get their attention is offer them something like an original research report um, first, like either maybe a day or two before it hits the market or as soon as it hits the market. So they're one of the first to be informed. Um, they appreciate that because that keeps them right in their lane. It keeps them on the cutting edge. They've got the research. That's how they stay on top. Yeah. Once you yeah. get up there, people, people keep feeding you. And, uh... <laughs> exactly. Um, it's good for the brand because you want the exposure, right? But it's good for the influencer because, again, it, keep, it protects their brand. Yep. Uh, B-list influencers are about expanding their presence. So anything you can do to get them more exposure um, as they're getting you more exposure, they right? want money and they want to get up into the A list, basically. They, they, right, right. That's they're so they're still they're trying to grow their influence, and so they're they're right. They want to be an A list, exactly. Um, and C list influencers are, you know, the the downside is you need to work with more of them because they don't have as much influence. They've got a smaller following. The upside is they're generally much easier to work with, right? Because they're they're going to open your email. Um, they want to know what's going on. They're they're trying to just start to build their influence. So right. they're the easiest to approach, but you need to approach more of them in order to, you know, reach that critical mass. Um, going back to your your question about the paid thing, so I I, I think it's probably okay if I drop a couple of names here. 
uh, I mentioned earlier in the in the HR tech space. Um, there are a couple of very uh, widely, largely followed influencers in that space, Megan Biro and a woman named Charlene Lobby. And they both do, um, I mean, they, they do some organic stuff, but they also both have basically packages they will sell you of, of um, promotion. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's very above board out in the open, but they will do things like they'll do a podcast with you. They'll write a blog post um, about your offering. They will uh, um, do X number of tweets and LinkedIn updates and whatever. So you can work with them on a paid basis and know exactly what you're going to, to get for that. Um, and again, it's, it's very transparent. People in the market know that they're doing that, but they also, they, I mean, again, there's still a filtering process. They're not going to work with, with just anybody. If you, if right. you contact one of them and say, um, you know, Hey, I want you to promote my online casino. Uh, no. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It still has to fit their brand and everything, but they do have exactly. more of a, um, a pre-cut package instead of everything one-off bespoke, like you're going to see with the, with the A-listers, some of those people have, uh, yeah, they have a set of things they can, they can give you as long as they like your product. Sure. Or, um, a, a lot of well-known blogs, event manager blog in the event space, which is probably the single largest blog in that space. Um, they will do, um, you know, sponsored posts and they clearly label them, but mm -hmm you can get a ton of exposure for your brand if you do one of those because they'll let you write whatever you want and put in whatever links you want um, in return for, you know, paying for the Right, plate. and they're getting content that's relevant, so they have to make sure they keep seeing that it's relevant. I mean, we have a site, exactly. the, the If You Market site um, that this podcast is on. We also put up uh, articles from people from time to time, and people will submit articles to us, and we just say, that's not, I'm sorry, that's not a, that that's consumer marketing or that's a little bit too outside of what we do. It doesn't make sense just because somebody's going to give you content. There's not even pay going on. We're somewhere down in like, how far does the alphabet go? Uh, <laughs> a Q lister or something like that. Um, but just getting the content, even when you are completely not on the list at all of influencers, you're still going to vet it and make sure it's relevant to your audience. Otherwise it, you don't have an audience at all. There's no point in being there. So I guess the farther up you get, the more vetting there is for the relevancy of the content. Well, that, and also, it, I mean, it really doesn't, if you're, if you're the, the, the company, the brand trying to, to go out and do influencer marketing, there's no benefit for you in connecting with influencers who are completely outside of your space. Right. Um, you, you, and again, that's, that's why I mentioned doing your research up front. You really want to understand that, that ecosystem and, and who has influence in your space because those are the people who are going to be most beneficial for you to be working with. I'm sure HR software people use Viagra. They could still do some influencer <laughs> marketing there. <laughs> All right. I, I feel like we have barely scratched the surface on this, and yet it's, uh, it's time to take a quick break. Um, so uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be right back. We're talking with uh, Tom Pick. He is the owner over at WebEquity. I'll try to mess that up at least once. I think I'm nailing it so far. Um, and we're talking about B2B influencer marketing, B2B in front of everything we do over here, Tom. Fantastic. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Tim O'Brien, the host of the Shaping Opinion podcast and the founder of Pittsburgh-based corporate communications firm, O'Brien Communications. We help clients with strategic planning, especially in these challenging times. We handle marketing communications, writing, content development, media relations, media coaching, and crisis and issues management. Want to know more? Check us out, O'BrienCommunications.com.
Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. If you forgot over that brief commercial break there, we are speaking with Tom Pick. He is the owner of Web Equity. We're talking about B2B influencer marketing. Um, Tom, let's start right off with, uh, it's 2020, leading into 2021. Who knows when people listen to this, but right now in 2020, <laughs> um, what's, why, did, why is B2B influencer marketing a big deal now? Why do people need to be thinking about this now? So you, as you know, as a B2B marketer, there's a lot of noise out there, right? For the, for B2B buyers, they're getting, they're getting hit from sort of a lot of different directions. Um, uh, SEO, SEO is still very important, but it's tough, right? Because there's so much content being produced. It's just, it's, it's, it's challenging to rise to the top in there. Um, advertising is tough because people may be using ad blockers. And even if they're not, they've got this, you know, you hear the term banner blindness. Um, and as you know, the, the click-through rates on banner ads on sites are, are extremely low. In marketing, there's everything blindness. Once something's successful, we wear it out really quick and people start ignoring it. Yeah. Um, cold email outreach. Uh, again, it, it has its place, but it's a really low hit rate. So how do you kind of, if, if all of these channels are, are crowded or difficult or, or really low um, response rate, how do, you, how do you break through that noise and actually reach your buyer? And so influencer marketing is a very effective tactic for that because what you're doing is you're, you're, you're going through the people who already have a presence in your buyer's mind, right? Someone they already know, someone they already trust, a source that, they are, that they're already looking to for information. So you're um, basically so giving a boost to, I mean, you could look to build brand and build influence yourself over time, but you're saying we don't want to wait for however long it takes to build brand. And maybe we're not very well spoken compared to this person. They've already done the hard work. We've got a great product. Let's show them and get them to give us a boost. And in exchange, we'll give them some money. Sure. Or you'll give them, again, on, in terms of a B-list or C-list influencer particularly, you'll help them build their frame. Their give frame. them a boost. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So it works mutually, but yeah, it's, that's, I think the key sort of the value prop for influencer marketing is 2020 is it's, it's, it's communication channels are crowded and this is a way to break through that noise and, and get people's attention. Right. Use somebody who's already broken through the noise, basically. Exactly. Um, piggyback on them. And maybe while you're building your own, you know, brand as a company, your own internal influencer, like I'm sure David Cancel wasn't an influencer when he started out. Or, uh, but then he, over time you build that and there's a lot of value there exactly. as a company. You don't want to wait however long it takes to build that and hope you actually can pull it off. Um, we're not all as um, great a persona as, as some of these people are. You, you want to build your own brand, but again, it's, it's uh, you, you can't, you, you want to do it as quickly as possible. Um, and you, you, you do get some side benefit out of this. And, and I don't want to, this might be a different topic, but the SEO side of it, I mean, there is, right. there is some SEO benefit out of this as well, but it's not the primary purpose of doing it. It's more, again, to be uh, in that influencers, utilizing their mind space and getting them to talk about you and, and um, <clears throat> having a relationship where we're, they might even mention you offline in a situation that you're never aware of. And suddenly you get a, you get a call from a great prospective fit. And they're like, yeah, I was having a conversation with, you know, so-and-so B-list, A-list influencer even. And, and they mentioned these guy, um, what can you tell me? And boom, you've got a, you've got a awesome warm entry now. 
let's say if nothing else, and this is going to bleed into the do's and don'ts, know who they are. So if you run into them at a conference, you don't piss them off (laughs) 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 because you don't want to spill your coffee on them and you were in a rush. So you didn't say sorry. And then uh, next thing you know, here comes a post from them about what a jerk you are or something like that. Hey, I met this guy at a conference. He's a really terrible person. That would Um, be on the don't list. Yeah, that would be on the don't list. So at the very least, know who they are so you can stay on their good side. You don't necessarily need to bribe them or anything like that. You can, but stay on their good side. Um, I guess I'd say small companies. So you want to build your own brand, build your own in-house influencers, but if you're a startup that just got funding or you're a larger company, you just haven't touched influencer marketing, then you can, you can buy some. It's, we even look when we're going, looking to hire marketing people, salespeople, what kind of influence do they have? We're interviewing some. It's, they do it in the movies nowadays. This actor has this many Twitter followers. Okay, he's getting the job instead of this guy. He's not a very good actor, but man, does he have a following. When you're hiring for marketing or sales, it's, uh, you know, the old school, what's their Rolodex. Now it's what's their LinkedIn following, you know, exactly. what kind of clientele do they already have on their LinkedIn Rolodex and, and for marketers, what kind of reach do they already have? Do they have followers? Do they have like hire somebody that already has a following if they're available or hire an Ann Hanley. If, if somebody like that's out there and you're, um, you know, looking for a huge boost instead of building it yourself, you buy it, buy an influencer onto your team at one level or another, even if it's just this sales guy has is very active on LinkedIn and has a following and this sales guy doesn't might help you out with your decision on uh, who to hire. Uh, Those kind of people can also help with the amplification part of it. Right. So if a, um, especially like a B or C list influencer writes about you, um, your very influential salesperson can retweet or reshare that on, on, uh, on LinkedIn and boom, you've just, you know, greatly increased the, the reach of, uh, of that piece. Yeah. And I guess what I was saying really was more, if you're going to get an influencer, you can, you can pay one outside, but you can buy one also. And in any position in your company, rather than building influence from scratch, if you're looking to create an in-house influencer, you know, take somebody who already has some, even if you're saying, who are we going to make our champion look around and say, well, who's already really active on social media and has the greatest following and has the best writing and, and, and whatnot and say, all right, we're going to support you now and turn you into the you face of the company or whatever it is. Go that route as well. Certainly. Yeah. Wait, or yes, the hire an influencer, bring an influencer in house in the, the big, the big kind of hire type of a thing. Okay. Uh, so I guess I've, uh, did I step on the, why is this uh, important for 2020 part or did we get through that? I think we got through the why it's important. Okay. We, we kind of pushed right over into the do's and don'ts. I mentioned one, don't spill your coffee on them. Uh, are there any others or did I cover it there? So I, I, I'm sure you, I see this all the time and I'm sure you do as well. There's a lot of bad influencer outreach out there happening. Um, right. You get, uh, some sort of random email um, that's just kind of, hi, saw your blog. It's great. I want to write it something for you. That's got a backlink to me. And it's just really kind of sleazy, cheesy. Um, not good. Not good. Uh, influencer <laughs> marketing is about building relationships. So like you said, first, that's why I say do your homework first. Know who you, that you're talking to so you can at the very least address them by name. Um, hopefully have something intelligent to say about what they've been doing. 
Um, it's and a complex sale almost. I mean, you have to complex, take it like it's not, it's, it's not a yeah. It's so the the quick hit or the what I call hit and run influencer marketing is bad all around. It doesn't help build your brand. Um, it may get you a few backlinks, but it doesn't help build your brand. It doesn't um, get the influencer talking, writing, speaking about you, right? It doesn't get you any sort of long term benefit. So it's just a you know a quick hit. You know, you got a little tiny, like I say, a little, a backlink or a little tiny a tweet out of it, something. Um, and then. Sorry about that. It. My my daughter just walked into my office. She's in, she's at work with me sick today. And I was thinking if you're going to walk in and make noise, at least walk behind me for a viral moment and do something funny. <laughs> so sorry about the crashing of the door and, and, and whatnot. No worries. Um, so anyway, back to the, uh, the B2B influencers. I, I got phased out. If you're seeing any video from this, you could see me looking aside like, oh no, oh no, the door's opening. Um, so uh, I think the, my interruption was worse than, worse than hers. So I apologize again. Uh, let's get back to it. Yeah. So basically hit and run bad um, relationship building good. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 it seems like it's a sales process. It goes back to the dating analogy of sales, but this is a celebrity sitting at the bar that you're looking to to go on a date with you really can't just walk up to them and say like hey you're Heidi Klum we should have a beer together let's hook up do you want to make out like look at my look I drive a Lexus let's go for a drive like no don't you cannot approach that way um you you must take a much more long uh warming things up approach kind of now what about using climbing the ladder of influencers, let's say, um, you really want to, um, you really want to get in front of and have some serious talks with an A-list influencer. Can you use B-list, C-list influencers to kind of like, okay, I'm going to talk to this C-list guy, get him to introduce me to this person, build a relationship with this person and work my way up type of a thing. You certainly can. I mean, I, <clears throat> One of the great things about LinkedIn, right, is, is when you make a new connection, you can see, you know, what connections you have in common. So um, you can you can go that route and try to get the introductions. You can certainly use it in outreach, um, name dropping. If you know that there's or you even suspect there's a connection, right, you can say, you know, I'd love to write something for your blog. I just had a post published last week on so-and-so's blog, assuming so-and-so is something, someone that's meaningful to them. Um, and you can definitely ladder up in fact for things like guest posting that's probably the best strategy is is start off with the the c list where you know you're going to get published um but still try to write something good so if an a-lister sees it they at least see that it's quality writing you can't give them uh, crap and then just thinking like i don't want to waste my good stuff yeah. here <laughs> um i feel right, weird yeah. like i'm talking about what's the strategy for stalking somebody <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's uh, it's it's mutually beneficial stalking. Right. So at it, some it, point, it's, it's it's like yes, you need to know about them. Don't think of it as stalking. But then it's be professional when you approach them, basically. Yes, exactly. Okay, and that's and, where and that's again, where it's always, not stalking. If then once you're professional, not stalking now. Yeah, and it's always, uh, think about mutual benefit. Think about win-win. You know, be sure you're keeping in mind what they get out of it as well as what your brand is getting out of it. So. One of the last things I want to get to, we're, we're starting to run out of time here, but you hire an influencer, 
how do you know if it worked? How do you know if, how do you measure it? So you know, if they were the right person, should you continue working with them? Should you be doing influencing marketing at all? You need to make adjustments. And I guess it comes down to the measurement. What is it you're looking to measure and how do you do that? Sure. And there are actually quite a number of things you can measure. I mean, the high level things is your, um, is your social media following growing? Obviously it should be over time, right? You should have more Twitter followers, more people following your brand on, on LinkedIn, those sorts of things. Um, even Instagram, which is thought of more on the B2B side, but uh, there are certain B2B niches where it's actually quite effective. I mentioned influ or, uh, event marketing. Um, event marketing is a very visual space, right? Because if you're an uh, event planner, an event agency, whatever, and you just worked on some massive event for Cisco or Workday or someone, right? I mean, there's some great photography you can get to that event. And... Um, um, that's, it's, it's, it's a B2B application of that, but, but Instagram can be beneficial in those cases. So your social media following, obviously your website traffic, um, and then, and then where's that traffic coming from, right? Are you, are you getting traffic from, um, directly from influencer websites where you, where you put a guest post or they've written about you or, or however that may work are you getting right. more traction with um some of the industries the niche industry publications are you getting seen more in bylines you can do brand monitoring mm -hmm. uh, tools like um uh, uh brand mentions brand 24 social bakers right there's a number of, of brand monitoring tools that you could use just to see what kind of how often is your brand popping up in, in discussions around the web um and where are those discussions happening so that's another way to measure but it do keep in mind that B2B, there's, that influencer marketing is more about brand building, brand awareness than directly lead generation. It supports lead generation, but it's not. Right. You're not going to have a call to action and be able to tag these right. leads is from this source. You're, you're going to get more followers on your blog. It's basically you're using them to, to build your influence as, as a brand and whatnot. And it's going to be an ethereal um, type of a benefit. Yeah, so it should help with it should help with uh, with search all around, both on your SEO on the um, generic term side as well as brand. So you should have more people searching for your brand, right? Because they've heard of it. Yep. Um, and it should help with, like, like I say, referral traffic um, and more brand mentions online. So website traffic, following, and 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 just really online presence. Brand is always hard to track the. I mean, I think it's why it, it doesn't get as much attention sometimes from people who are really hardcore, just looking at a marketing tactic that they can generate leads. People who have, um, are getting yelled at to generate more leads aren't thinking about brand at all because they need somebody to put an email address in a form field or, or, or whatnot. And brand is so important, but it is a very ethereal thing. And it's very hard to measure other than looking at those spikes and looking at, I guess you can ask your salespeople are people saying anything? Is it easier? Um, <laughs> wait a while. Don't ask them in week two, you know, maybe wait uh, 12 months or something like that of constant activity. And then, uh, and then they'll probably have something positive to say about the brand activities of influencer marketing and whatnot. So um, two, two really key things there that you mentioned. So first of all, salespeople, right? Salespeople actually like branding because it makes their job easier. They don't want right. to be on the phone with someone and have that person say, I've never heard of your company. Yep. Once they notice it, it makes their job easier. But if you start an influencer campaign and the day after the article gets put out or whatever it is, you ask them, they're not going to have, it hasn't, the branding hasn't trickled down to them yet. Um, 
Exactly. But yeah. that, that, but that is uh, certainly a, an area where the benefit can show up. Another area is if you go to a trade show, right? Your company goes to a trade show, you've got your little 10 by 10, 10 by 20, 20 by 20, whatever booth. Um, people are more likely to stop and talk to you if they have an idea what you do. If people are just sort of standing, you know, 10, 20 feet away, kind of eyeing your signage, trying to figure out what it is you do. And if you're, unless your signage is great and it's so compelling <laughs> that it draws them to your booth, uh, they're going to be like, I've never heard of that company. And, you know, oh, look, there's oracles over there. Let's go talk to them. So for measurement, you can look for spikes. You can say, oh, these things are happening on these days and we're seeing a spike in signups. We're seeing a spike in traffic, whatever it is. But maybe also something like a survey. If you're going to a trade show, before you start doing the influencer stuff, do a survey to see if people know, you know, just send like word on the street, somebody around. Do you know what this company, who this company is? Do you know what they do? Do you know what this company is? Do you know what they do? And then the next year after you've been doing some influencer stuff, do the same survey and see, okay, we asked 50 people, 30 people, whatever it is, and you see how much your, you could probably get a really good measure of within that industry um, as well, because the trade shows that specific industry, whether, whether it's really moved the needle for you. Sure. Or you can do it as part of a, somebody else is doing a third party research, pro somebody else is doing a research project. So they're a third party to you, but you can right. piggyback on there and be, be part of their research. I like the event, your, your idea for the events because the people are on the spot. So, you know, you're not sending somebody an email and they're going to Google it and be like, Oh yeah, that's who that is. I don't want to look dumb. So I'm going to say I knew who they were. Um, you really find out when you put a microphone up or you just ask them yeah. with a clipboard oh, or something, do you know who this company is? Nope. Never heard of it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. This is awesome. Uh, I guess one last thing people want to find an influencer. They don't know much about them. They don't know their, let's say they're new in their company in, in the marketing department. They don't know their space very well and they want to take this on. Um, What's the best way to find influencers in, in a given space? Is there a website for it? Are we talking uh, uh, Google search? What, what, where should they start? There's a yeah a number of different techniques that can be used. One is, right, just simple Google searches, and you can uh, look for things like top lists, right? So who are the top CMOs in automotive manufacturing? Um, things like that. You can, you can find those lists in various places, and that's, that's a great place to start. We but use that heavily really wanted, over here as well, that, that yeah. the top list kind of filled out everything for us. If you want to um, expand your net a little further, a great tool to use is a couple of sites. There's a site called Hashtagify and another one called WriteTag, R-I-T-E-T-A-G, um, that are pretty inexpensive tools. And basically what you do is you put in your industry hashtags and it'll tell you who the uh, people are who are using those with the, the most frequency, with the largest following, whatever, you can set different parameters. So that's a great way to find influencers because obviously if they're using your you know, relevant hashtags, they must be yep. or likely to be relevant to your industry. And then there are actual influencer marketing tools, which are, they, they do a few different things. They help you find influencers in your industry, right? And again, you can use hashtags, keywords, um, you can throw on some competitor names, whatever. So you can find people who are kind of writing and influential in your industry. Um, and it also helps with some of the, it's almost like a, a like CRM, but for influencer marketing. So instead right. of talking with your customers or your sales prospects, it's tracking your outreach activities 
um, and automating follow-up and doing things like that specifically for your influencer marketing efforts. All right, and I'd say uh, LinkedIn has a, uh, they're starting, they're actually using their hashtags now. They had them on there for a long time or people would put them in, but they weren't using them. And so now you can follow specific hashtags and you can see, you know, who has, who has a big reach, who's going to show up in my feed for these topics. So if you're active on LinkedIn or get active on LinkedIn and you don't have an account, start one and take the hashtags you in your industry and put them there. And then you'll just get a feed of people. And some of those are probably the influencers you're looking for. But I think your top 10 list, that's, I mean, cause how many are you really going to look at? You can probably build a hundred influencers in most verticals just from doing that. And that's going to cover you pretty well. Those people have done the research for you. All right. Um, I think that wraps it up pretty well. There's always, of course, a lot more to cover on, on something like this, but, uh, uh, thank you, Tom. I think we got a great, great coverage of the B2B influencer marketing here. Um, of course, if anyone wants to know more on this subject, Tom is a wealth of knowledge on it. Uh, we keep having to cut ourselves off when we're speaking uh, outside the recording and saying, let's, let's try to get this into the episode. We're covering way too much off air here. Um, and of course, only some of it is there time to even get it in. But you can find Tom at webequity.com. It'll be in the show notes. I'm not going to spell everything out, but uh, also very active on Twitter at Tom pick. And uh, again, all in the show notes, you can find him on LinkedIn. Uh, he has a website, B2B marketing.technology. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, ebook on Amazon, the comprehensive guide to content marketing in the show notes. Also ultimate guide to content marketing software ebook um, show notes. Find it all there on if you and please share us on social media, tell a friend, and give us a good review on iTunes. And on behalf of the If You Market podcast team and Tom Pick of WebEquity, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with influencer marketing or B2B influencers specifically, they will come. All right. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Pick from WebEquity. This is Tom Pick from Webiquity. We provide. Wait, sorry. <laughs> this, is... this is Tom Pick from Webiquity. We. Okay. <laughs> now you can't say the company name. <laughs> is your data company ignoring and gouging you, or gouging and ignoring you? Those are the main reasons our customers move from the previous list provider, Mountaintop Data's top data search platform. What's Top Data Search? Well, with Top Data Search, you can search our database of 20 million plus business contacts and download lists with complete contact information. It's a convenient tool for both sales and marketing departments to get accurate lists. It's free to have an account. There's no annual contracts, no seat fees. Top Data Search is just easy access to accurate data. And when you reach out to us with questions, we actually give you answers. Visit topdatasearch.com and sign up for a free account with the coupon code IYM300 and get 300 free credits. Or if you're just curious, go to topdatasearch.com and run some searches on our open search tool, no account needed, by clicking the search now button. That's at topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.